Man, when the sun is gone, it's dark in here preaching. <laughs> I lost the entire half over there, so I'll trust you're listening. As I was preparing for today's sermon, I began thinking about big churches. And I remember the first time that I walked into the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris as a child, and I was totally awed. Walking into that big, huge, tall space. I can remember my eyes going up to the windows, to the ceiling, and just being overwhelmed by the feeling of a space like that. Fifteen years later, after I'd walked into Notre Dame, I was a seminarian at the National Cathedral, and I had a similar sensation the first time walking into that great church. Those churches were built to give us that sense of awe. They were constructed in order to elicit in us that emotional response to feel God's presence in a very significant way. And those churches were built over many, many years. When I was a seminarian in D.C., we celebrated the 100th anniversary of the cathedral, and I realized it had taken over 80 years to actually finish the construction of our national cathedral. And that was short compared to many of the ancient European cathedrals. All of that was in my mind as I read today's lessons. And you might be wondering why, because Leviticus is not one that often inspires awe. Leviticus is one of those books that steps through a lot of the rules around how we are supposed to be. We heard a lesson from Leviticus today that anchors the people of Israel in a new way of being. Now, in this first lesson, Moses is hearing from God what he's supposed to tell the people. And just to put that into context, the Israelites have been a people for hundreds of years, but there at Sinai and then out in the wilderness, Moses is hearing from God over and over again in order to begin to shift the people from being simply a family unit to becoming a religious group, the Jewish people. And as they did that, these rules, these boundaries that God was putting on the people became clearer and clearer. Today, we hear that God wants the people to be holy because God is holy. And then God focuses on how we are to treat other people. God says what we are not to do. We are not to be unjust. We are not to slander. We are not to hate. We are not to seek vengeance. And all because... We're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself. Sound familiar? This idea that goes all the way back to the very beginning of the Jewish identity is a message that God has been trying to get through to people for centuries and millennia. Fast forward to today's gospel. We are here again in Matthew 22. We have been stepping through Matthew chapter 22 for a number of weeks now. And it's here in this chapter in Matthew's gospel where Jesus is challenged again and again by the Jewish leadership. The Jewish leadership are challenging Jesus because Jesus represents something that undermines their authority, undermines their power, undermines the entire way that they think they are supposed to be. This kind of authority is something we understand. Back 2,000 years ago, the Jewish leaders were comfortable, they liked their power, and so when someone came along to challenge their power and their comfort, they fought back. Today, people do 
a very similar thing. We are very familiar with the way in which people in power tend to try and manipulate reality so that they can stay in power. We see this all the time. Think of any 24-hour news channel, any of them, and think about the way in which politicians, most of them, try to stoke the fear that is in the world to a huge level in order to make sure that people do what it is that they want people to do. And it's almost entirely about keeping them in power, keeping eyes on them so they can make money and more. Our world stokes the fear that already exists, stokes the fear inside of us to an incredibly high level so that we can essentially ignore what God is calling us into today. Now, fear is real. All of us understand the powerful motivator of fear. Jesus understands the same idea in this story. Jesus knows that the leaders who are coming to challenge him are highly invested in their way of life. They really don't want things to change. Two weeks ago, we heard Jesus tell the story of the wedding banquet about how people who have been invited into an amazing way of being by the God who loves them reject God's invitation. Last week, we heard the story of money where Jesus has them pull the money out of their pockets and says, whose image is on these? And he says, give to the emperor what belongs to the emperor, but give to God what belongs to God. And we unpacked that because we have God's image and God's calling us to give ourselves over. Well, multiple challenges have come to Jesus in this chapter. And finally, we get to today's point in the gospel lesson. After Jesus has parried and spun and juked all over the place to try and resist the challenges of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, here comes their best attempt at trying to undermine his authority. They say to him, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, it seems like a relatively simple question. But again, to put this into context, the Jewish leaders have created an incredibly thorough, gigantic legal system. And the impetus behind that legal system is very good. The Jews had gone into exile. They had lost their way. And when they came out of exile and they looked to rebuild not only the temple, but their entire identity, they began to set rules in place, boundaries in place, because they did not want to make the same mistake that led them into exile that they had made hundreds of years earlier. So good intentions to try and create rules to keep them on the right track. But over time, those rules became far more important than the point of the rules. And those rules became what they were most faithful to. And so here in this moment, they know that they are going to pull the rug right out from under Jesus by saying, which is the greatest law? And then Jesus, in a brilliant move, hearkens all the way back to Leviticus itself and says, love your God, with everything you are, and love your neighbor as yourself. That simple message for us speaks to the weight that we carry. We hear Jesus' words, and we know he's right. Like I think we know he's right. 
but it just seems too simple for the complexity of our world. We carry fear. We carry anxiety. We carry uncertainty and insecurity and stress and worry. And too often, we feel like we are totally out of control with everything that is going on outside these walls. But that's the way the world wants us to think. That's how the world wants us to feel. The world wants us to get this sense that everything is so bad all the time. That things today are so much worse than they ever have been. That there is, in a sense, no hope. And yet we come here and we hear Jesus' words, simple, profound words. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. This idea is not pie in the sky. This idea is not something that we should just toss off as too simple. This undergirds everything that God wants us to be. This is God's entire identity, entire call to us to turn away from all that this world wants to throw at us and try to control us and instead turn toward God. This is where our discipleship anchors itself. And this is our great challenge to live in the world. What we are building here is how to love. What we do when we come to worship, when we pray, when we learn, when we serve, is all about how to turn toward love and away from the fear that is bloated in every, in every way out in our world. Each time you come here to pray, you're loving God. Each time you give generously of your time and your talent and your treasure, you are loving others. And each time we turn away from the power of fear and we yoke ourselves to the hopefulness of love that God offers us, we are actually loving ourselves. What Jesus calls us to do today is in three important parts. And do not lose the last. God is calling you, each one of you, into a life that is so much better than the world thinks we can have. God is calling us into a life in which fear and stress and anxiety falls away, not because they're not real, but because the power of God's love overcomes everything that this world can throw at us. God is calling us to commit to love here with one another in this community. And God is calling us into transformation right here and right now. So for us, our call is truly to put love into action. And I hope we say yes. Amen.